You're listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, Come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. In all seriousness, like I didn't even know things like this existed. And there are so many things. As we get into this dreams series, there are so many things that don't exist until God plants a dream in someone's heart. And it can be something that, that who would have even thought, right, that hanging from the ceiling by your legs and toes would be a good idea, but not only a, a good idea, but a beautiful thing. There's so much beauty that can be brought to the world through dreams, through the things that God puts in people's hearts that don't exist, that have never been thought of before, that seem crazy, that maybe are even, let's, let's be honest, who was a little bit scared, right? Me. <laughs> it's like, you don't have to go down that far, right? right? Just, just stay up there nice and safe, safe, right? <laughs> um, but that's the way the dreams are. That's the most beautiful things, the most powerful, moving things are the things that sometimes are going to scare us, the things that have never been thought of before, the things that are God's dreams, and he's dreaming them through us. Do you remember when you were a kid, like some of these, these kids that just left, and the dreams that, that you had, the dreams that were in your heart, right? I, I don't know about you. I was always like the realist. Maybe you're like, no, I was never a dreamer. I was the realist. Who else? Any, any realists, even when they were a kid? I was, I was also known as the squasher. Like kids would, kids would be like, yeah, I'm going to be a pro basketball player in my life. I'm like, no, you're not. You're probably not. One, do you know the chances? Two, this is Sterling Heights, bro. You know, like, come on. That's not going to happen for you. But I would like squash the dream. I wanted to be far more realistic things, far more logical and practical things. But there's something that's like, like sad about that. When we, when we give up the dream, when we go, I don't know, I, wouldn't that be awesome? What if that could happen? There's excitement that comes with it. There's hope. There's life. And there's joy. And there's passion. But somewhere along the line, right, the realist steps in. And maybe it was, it was in the form of Dave Kubiak. But for most of us, it was, it was in a thousand other smaller ways called life, right? Life happens. Bills happen. Relationships happen. Distraction happens. Disappointment sets in. Things get a little bit harder than we ever could have realized that things would be. We get a little bit busy. We get wrapped up in the tasks of life. And before we know it, we don't even really have time to dream anymore. I love those, those social media posts, right, where it's like, what's your greatest dream? And here's the list, like a clean house, groceries paid for, you know, <laughs> like, and every single one of us that are adulting looks at that and they're like, oh, yes, the clean, the, I want the house. I want the clean house, you know, like no laundry for a week. Oh, yeah, that's my dream, right? Somewhere along the line, our dreams go from this to this. And there's not as much joy. There's not as much excitement in that anymore. And we get to this point where ultimately we find that perhaps we're sleepwalking through life. Instead of dreaming, we're sleepwalking through life. My son Joshua came out late. It was late last night. And Gwen and I are, are up. You know, I'm, I'm catching a little bit of Saturday Night Live. And Joshua walks up, and, and, and 
he's just standing in the kitchen. I think that maybe he was eating something. I don't know what was going on. I, I, I just heard Gwen. You know, Gwen runs up, and he's like, what's going on, Joshua? And he's not answering. He's just like breathing heavily or something. <laughs> I don't know what was happening. But I, I hear Gwen. She's like, what, what's in your mouth? What are you eating? I still don't know the resolution to that or what was going on. But he was sleepwalking. He's not awake at all. But while we're doing that, right, we can be sleepwalking and the rest of, of everyone else in the world can go, oh, well, he's, he's not in the same reality as us. Like, hey, did you ever sleepwalk and do something absolutely crazy or even embarrassing? I, my parents still tell me about the time that I walked straight out into the living room, pulled down my pants, and relieved myself, um, you know, while I was sleeping, of course, all right? I was not that disrespectful. Um, I don't know, maybe you've done that before. Uh, that was not part of your parents' dream when they had kids at all. But we've done things, right, when we're sleepwalking that seem very real to us but aren't really real to everyone else, right? And this is, there's, a, there's a truth here, there's a principle here that what's real to us may not be what's really real. And so many of us live our lives sleepwalking, where the things that are very real to us, the things that are making us afraid, the things that are driving our actions, ultimately aren't the most true or the most real things. We're, we're living not really awake. We're living not fully alive. Ephesians 5 verse 14 actually says that when it says, awake, O sleeper. This is talking to us, right? Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Awake. It's this invitation to wake up, to open up our eyes, to start living in line, in alignment with what's truly real all around us. How? How do we do that? I know this is church, so this is going to sound like the expected answer. Jesus. Jesus is the way. He said it, it says, I am the way. I am the truth. Truth is another word for what's really real. It says, I'm the way to live. I am the truth. I am what's really real. I am the life. Jesus is how we do this. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11 to 13, there are these verses that maybe you have seen on Hallmark cards or posted around your house uh, before, at least one of them. Because it falls very much in line with some of the dreams. And we look at this verse in particular and go, yeah, dreams, it's so cool. And it says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. We're like, yes, dreams. God has dreams for me. It's so good, right? I want those things. It's really nice. But do we, or do we read into that a little bit of, of self-centeredness, honestly? We go, oh, God has God has my plans for me. I, I think sometimes if we, if we keep on reading, here's what we'll actually find. Verse 12 and verse 13. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. A lot of us take that sentence though and, and we say, oh, you will, you will seek me and find fill in the blank. When we seek God, oh, if I can just go after God a little bit more, then my dreams will come true. There are preachers out there that will promise this to you. Oh, if you just go after God, if you just sign the check, God will bless you. Hallelujah. And you will, your bank account will be full. 
It's not real. It's not real. Jesus followed God very closely. He never did anything wrong. He lived in lines with all of God's dreams, and things did not go all that well for him. Maybe you don't know the story. He was beaten, tortured, abandoned, disrespected, spit on, humiliated, and put to get death on a cross with a bunch of criminals. Yay, Jesus. You know? Sometimes when you, when you follow the dream, when you seek first God, his kingdom, it's not that all of your wildest dreams come true. This isn't Napoleon Dynamite. No, sometimes it's something more. You get something better. You get the way, the truth, the real life. Good, abundant, the kind of life that all throughout Scripture is called eternal life. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Our dreams are not found in anyone or anything else other than Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know that, you've never heard that, you're, you're, you're maybe even going to church as some sort of means to an end, well, maybe we'll try this church thing. Maybe I'll look to Jesus. He's the answer for that. Then I will get whatever it is. Listen, God is too good to let you be in that, to, to let you believe that, to let you continue to pursue anything other than him. It's an invitation this morning. If you are pursuing any other dream than God and God's dreams for you in Jesus, you will wake up. You're in a nightmare. You may not realize it yet. God's dreams are so much better for you in Jesus. That is where it starts. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30. It's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, and I love the way that the message version puts it. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion, giving up? On, I'm just adding here. I'm, I'm giving up on your dreams, hopeless, frustrated, exhausted, tried this stuff before. Well, come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That sounds good to me. I don't know about you, but reality is exhausting. It's exhausting. The day-to-day -day stuff, how many times do we fall, we, our heads hit the pillow, we're too tired to dream, right? We're, we're asleep within moments because we're just that tired. We're, we're beaten up, we're broken, we're exhausted by the day, by reality. Try, and, then, and then you come to church and you're like, all right, yeah, I'm going to try to do more. Or maybe you're a really goal-driven person. You say, no, I'm, I, I do want something better. I don't want to just accept what's real right now. So you, you get your planner, and you've set your perfect schedule, and you're like, this is the year, resolutions, you know? And no, it just doesn't work, and it's draining and exhausting. You're trying to do more. You're trying to find the next big thing the next life-giving thing, the next conference, book, podcast, speaker. You even look to religion, and none of it works. None of it delivers on the dream. It's just all reality. Maybe you even get to God, and you're like, all right, people say to reach out to God, cry out to God. You know, what are you going to say? Just tell me what to do. 
But there's this limit that gets placed on us in reality. Reality will always limit us, but when when we go after Jesus, his dreams, what he's doing, what he has for us, Jesus expands our horizons. Reality limits us where we can go, what we can do, what is possible, but Jesus expands our horizons and brings and gives life. And Jesus did this everywhere he went. When he walked the earth over 2,000 years ago, he did it, and he would teach about something, a dream-like, more real-than-reality existence called the kingdom of God. Everybody say kingdom of God. Okay? It's, maybe for, for today's purposes, we could call the reality of God. And in the reality of God, things aren't what they seem. People think, you know, oh, this is the way that life really is. This is how it works. I know you've got a bunch of nice little sayings, Jesus, but that's not how it really goes. You haven't lived in my family. You haven't been in my marriage. You haven't struggled with what I struggle with. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I have life for you, and there is a reality that's greater, bigger, more beautiful, more life-giving than anything else that you could possibly experience. A way, a reality that surrounds you, but it can't be seen as easily. It's less obvious, but it's even more real. Jesus is this portrait of God's dream for humanity. His teachings, his ways teach us to live in line with that reality, to dream his dreams. Jesus is what God had in mind for humanity at creation. He is the way, the way that God is recreating the world, bringing life again. That that initial dream, the original intention and design God had in his heart when when he began to speak life and spill out onto the canvas of a blank, chaotic mess called earth. He started to bring order and beauty and life to it. His dreams were becoming reality, and right there from the beginning, in its most perfect, beautiful form, is Jesus. And when Jesus comes, it is God's masterpiece. He's saying, look, my son, I'm well pleased. In him is life and life to the full. Look to him. Follow him. If you want to know what I'm I'm like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what I care about, look at Jesus. If you want to know how to live now and forever, look at Jesus. And Jesus went around teaching this reality, the kingdom of God, specifically in Matthew 5. It's one of the most famous sermons ever preached. And time and time again throughout it, Jesus is basically saying, your reality, what you're experiencing in life does not necessarily match God's. He goes through and he says, oh, hey, when you're, when you're suffering, you're actually blessed. When you have nothing, when you're broken, when you're disrespected, you're actually blessed. There's something good that's happening. You'd say, no, 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 that's not, that's not real. That's fantasy land. That's a dream. Jesus would say, no, no, no. My dreams are reality. What you see is not as obvious, but it's more real. This is the kingdom of God. This is when you're blessed. And at the end, at the end of this message, Jesus says this phrase. He starts using this phrase where he says, you have heard it said that, fill in the blank. Go through Matthew 5. You can find these. You have heard it said. And what he's doing is is he's flipping a lot of things that people commonly accepted as truth, as reality. Some of them were misinterpretations of the Old Testament scriptures. 
ways that people had had begun living it out in a heartless, religion-y type of way, but others were just kind of common sense kind of things that people had started saying. At the end of this, he says, you have heard it said. Jesus says, no, I I actually, I, I didn't come to cancel that out, but I came to fulfill it and make it give life again and make it be a dream. You've heard it said that. And then Jesus says this, but I tell you. You've heard it said. You've come to accept one thing as reality, but now in me, I tell you something different. I tell you something better. Let let me build upon that. Let me expand your horizon. Let me invite you into something that's even better, even more real than what you've heard, what you've been taught, what you think you already knew. The kingdom of God. You've heard it said, but I tell you. God's reality, God's dreams, they're different from our reality because our reality limits, but dreams... God's dreams actually create new and better realities. It's not something that we don't have time to do. In fact, no, better worlds have always depended on dreams, on people living into something more. Just think of every great invention that's ever come up in the, in the history of the world. Thomas Edison, Steve Jobs, and the dream to have a computer in every, right? Martin Luther King Jr., I have a dream, what, of a better world, of something even more beautiful than our current existence and our current reality. Dreams are necessary to move things forward and to bring God's kingdom, God's reality here on earth. It's almost as if in these two phrases, you have heard it said, but now I tell you, Jesus is inviting us to ask, what if? What if, this, what if everything that you have experienced so far isn't all there is? What if there's something more? What if there's something better? What if? And so for the rest of our time here together, um, we're going to go, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, we're going to go off script a little bit, and, and just to prove it, you know, I'll, I'll get rid of the podium here. We're going to go a little bit off script, and um, I'm going to invite two amazing men. Uh, two pastors that I've, I've just recently gotten to know, uh, but I am thankful. They are an answer to prayer, and I love dreaming with these two guys. Pastor Mike Nank and Pastor Greg Meehan. Come on up, guys. Thanks. All right, and I'll go in the middle. Hey, look at that. Greg is fancy, guys. So... Around this time, you know, every year, sometimes it can even be a, a little bit routine where we start to talk about vision, right? And we start to ask these questions of what if. Um, but man, if you've been tracking with us here at Paradox, the last few months, um, have, have, it's been an interesting year, right? There's been a lot of change. There's been a lot of transition. Um, and some of it has been hard. Some of it has been exhausting, right? Some, of, some realities have been very, very difficult. Um, but I, I believe, and I, I think that these two guys, just in our conversations, it feels like we're turning a corner. It feels like we're getting to this place where God is inviting us not to just continue on doing what we do. Sunday's coming. Here we go again. You know, but to dream again, 
to start asking the questions of what if everything that we assume to be true about church or culture about, or about what we do and what works wasn't the most real thing, but what if God is inviting us to dream again, to step into a new reality, a different one, a better, to create a better world, a better Warren, a better paradox, a better family, a better you, because God has dreams for you. And we don't want to just make our own plans or say, like, well, here's what we're going to do. Here's the budget again, and here are the things that we're going to... Like, what if we got excited again? What if we became, like Jesus says, like little kids and started asking that sometimes annoying but always exciting question, what if? And so there's been kind of these areas that have been guiding those conversations for us that we wanted to share with you um, so that you could hear some of our heart on it, some of our dreams uh, that we're dreaming with God, but also... We want to dream with you. We want to invite you into God's dreams for this family called Paradox because God's not just speaking to us. You don't have to be a pastor to have the Holy Spirit. Like, God is, God is real. He's alive and he's speaking. He's planting dreams in your hearts. He's called us together to be a church to fulfill his dream for Warren and for you as part of this family in this time, in this place. So just to get into a few of these words in, in our time, and we're just going to, we're going to go, right? We're going to have a conversation. Um, the first one uh, that we, and well, we cheated a little bit. Those of you that are in the volunteer huddle in the morning know that I'm, I'm supposed to give one word, and I can't ever do that. So I said that we were going to do words, and look at that. I've already broken the rule. Uh, there are two words up there <laughs> already. Um, so the first kind of area that we want to, we, we feel like God is leading us into is growth and discipleship. And in so many ways, like, these were supposed to be two different things for us. It was like, oh, there's growth and discipleship. But as we dreamed together, it was like we, we just couldn't separate the two. Because there's not just like, oh, we, we want to grow without doing, growing the way that Jesus calls us to grow, doing the things that Jesus asks us to do. And for me, just to set this up a little bit, um, I keep going back to Acts 2, 42 to 47. I did plan this, so bear with me. I wrote it. I've got it in the Bible. Can I at least not go unscripted from the Bible here at church? That's good. Is that all right? You're, you're all right. Good. Okay, good. I'll go with this script only. Uh, so in Acts, it says that the early church devotes themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe is coming upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. How many of you want to be a part of a church, a family like that? Sounds like a dream to me, right? So there are certain things. Can you get a little bit more excited about that? I would like to be a part of a church like this, all right? I'm excited about God's dreams for our church. And you have heard it said that church, that Christianity is on decline in our culture, in our time. But what if, what if this was God's design for church? To be powerful, to be influential, not in the way that everyone else is powerful and influential, but to have favor with people, to be loved by people, to be wanted to join by people on a day-to-day -day basis. I'll, I'll stop talking and hand it over to you, Mike. Are you sure? I'm sure. You keep going. I'm sure. You're on a roll. 
Well, it's That's called good. preaching. That's good. So we're talking about our <laughs> dreams? Yeah. I just Specifically for growth and discipleship. Okay, but first, my one main dream that I, like, just God came to me this morning, it actually came during this performance, is I dream of having core strength enough to be <laughs> <isn't that> crazy. <laughs> I'm watching that. I'm like, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. <sighs> growth. Like, like. And I love how I love that we're tying these two together because, as Dave said, it's, it's it's impossible to think of the one without the other because we can we can do all sorts of things to 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 reach out to the community, come check out our church, check out our church. But if there's not the community here, and if we're not growing closer to Jesus together, then we may as well have the back door wide open because yeah. people are going to come right in and come right out. So so if we're talking about this, we have to talk about a front door and a back door. Talking about the front door of our church. That you can look up any statistic or study on church growth that you want. And, and growth, let me say this. We do want to grow as a church for two reasons. We want to grow as a church because we need to grow as a church. We need to be a little bit more sustainable. Like The numbers that are here are good, are good. We need to grow a little bit more. Not so that we can be some, I don't want to be some big mega church just talking frankly. I don't want that. But I want, to, I want a sustainable group of believers where, where just 100 life groups are happening and things are moving and, 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 and like you said, we don't ever have to worry about the budget. That's, that's not even a thing. Like, we get to the point that we're, 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 like, saying, what do we do with this extra? Like, God, no, not us. God, what would you? Like, I'd love to get to that point. We need a little bit of growth to get to that point. But I want to grow. We want to grow because we want to see more people come to know Jesus. We want to see more people in our family. If the family's healthy and it's great, who wouldn't want more people in our yeah. family? Amen? It's good. And, the, and, again, what I was saying is if you look at any statistic or study, blah, 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 the number one way to have people come into a church is through the people of the church. We can put up billboards. We can get that billboard. We can go, I can go dance in the middle of the street dressed in a clown suit with a sign. It doesn't matter. No, we like, want people to actually come. No, I know. I, that, forget that one. It's, right. <laughs> it's what not to do. I won't ribbon dance either. Um, but seriously, when, 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 when someone out here thinks of a friend, a coworker, a family member, and says, you know what? I think that they would benefit from a relationship with Jesus. And I think the paradox is a place that they can find it. And they can find a community that will come alongside them. That's, that's what I, that, I just want to say that that's how we're going to grow. And, 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 it's, and it's not from some fancy strategy or elaborate marketing campaign. It's, it's for us. Us, not us. Inviting people that we know. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I've got a buddy who lives in West Virginia. He goes to this really small church. And uh, he just joined recently. And he said that uh, he's becoming a member of the church. I'm like, oh, cool. What's that look like? And he's like, well, the pastor comes over to our house, and we hang out, and we go through this class together. I'm like, okay, tell me a little more about it. So he's like, well, it's uh, five months long, and it's three hours every single week. I'm like, whoa, that's a serious, like, membership class, man. Like, normally it's like a one-quick class, right? Um, and then Dave shows up at Paradox, and he's like, yeah, you guys should do this thing called training camp. And I'm like, well, what's that? And he's like, well, it's like, this thing where we get together once a week for three hours for five months. <laughs> and I was like, no. That's, that's the shortened version. Yeah, and that's the condensed <laughs> version. The, the normal one's nine months. I was like, no thanks. Um, so Dave was selling this for several months, and I resisted. That's just, you know that. I don't think that's, would, I, I'm not lying. I, I resisted, and it's like, gosh, I don't know if I can commit to that. Um, and we've been going through that now for five weeks, mm -hmm. and it's been amazing. And I'm looking forward to it. And I was driving here this morning. And it's like, man, how did I, how was I able to free up that three hours? And it's like, well, what was I doing that other three hours? Probably watching Netflix, you know? Like, like there's, bu there's buffer, right? There's room that you can cut out. 
And if you really want to experience God and you really want to grow in your relationship, you have to be willing to commit and to put in time. And we're going, yeah, you can clap to that, please. Go. And, and so um, as we're going through this class, we're growing together as a leadership group. What if our whole church went through training camp? Some of you are like, no thanks. One person is excited about that. I'm going to keep, I'm gonna keep <laughs> selling it, okay? What if our whole church went through this training camp? Because one thing we're doing right now, we're going through this unit, we're just learning the Father heart of God. And I'm starting to understand God in ways I never really knew him. I'm starting to realize I've inserted my own opinions into who God is and how he thinks about me based on my past experiences, based on my own parents. And it's like, no, let's look at the Bible. Let's really learn about his heart towards us. And it's changing my walk with God that's been, you know, I've been walking with God for 15 years. Um, and it's like, whoa, like, like all of a sudden these blinders are coming off and it's awesome. And I would love to see our church be a church that goes through this together over the course of the next couple of years. Because I think it's going to change, yeah. totally change the course of our future. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. You know, specifically for this word, I, I could... I could talk for a long time on this growth word. Yes, you um, could. Yeah, a, a really long time, very passionately. Um, growth itself is a really lame goal. I mean, seriously, like, it, if, somebody, if somebody tried to sell you this, you're like, hey, well, imagine a church where, where more people came. You're like, uh-huh. And then more people came. Uh-huh. And it, like what but a lot of times that, that that's actually what we end up getting into as church. It's like imagine then if there were 300 people or 400 people. Who cares? You could sit in a seat here, you could sit in a seat there, it doesn't matter. Like that's a lame goal. That's a lame dream. That is not God's dream. God's dreams for our growth is to be growing because people's lives are changing. They're coming to know Jesus and they they started to know him before they ever came here. Right? And they came here because they were attracted to the Jesus that they saw in every single one of us. They were attracted to the Jesus that they read about on our social media feeds. They were attracted to the Jesus that they felt when you were there for, for, for people in their time of need. The way that you reached out to people that were different from you. The way that you spoke kindness and encouragement. And the way that you went through pain and suffering. And people say, I want some of that then you won't, you won't be able to keep people away from coming to paradox and finding out who this Jesus is. That's what we're talking about. And discipleship is us saying, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about his ways. Let me show you what it looks like in my life. That's why these two things go together. And specifically as we, uh, as, as we grow and as we reach people who are, who are far from Jesus, who don't know anything about Jesus, who haven't been to church, that's going to begin to impact one uh, one certain area in particular, and then is marriage and family. I felt like I, I got this picture, um, man, two nights, two nights ago, um, sitting in World Mandate, where I was like, so many times, we talk about a target audience and everything, and it's always the 35-year-old male, you know, lives in war or something. And that's okay, I want to reach the 35-year-old male. I'm 37. Um, but I, I just started to feel like, dude, Dave, if you want to actually be like a spiritual father to people, if you want to show people what this looks like to follow Jesus, um, you're going to have to start reaching younger people, right? Like there, there are 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds, 23-year-olds who did not grow up in church, that never heard about any of this stuff, and they're going to need, right, we're going to have to get, get this, right? This, here's, a, here's a captivating vision. 
we're gonna, most of us in this room, including me, are probably gonna start having to get okay with the fact that we're the older people. Right? Yeah, I don't like it either. I'm going gray. But we're going to have to start getting okay with, we're, we're the older people. We're going to talk to them. We're going to reach out to them. And we're going to grow younger to these people that are, that are getting married and they're starting to have families and, 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 and be married and learn what that looks like and learn how to live Jesus' ways. And we're going to get to teach them. So we've got this dream to, to invest in marriages and families, to not just keep people married, but to have healthy, thriving ones where we can actually equip people and train people and say, hey, we want you to be healthy, whole people. And not just in relationships. No, you, you. you're stealing the thought right out of my head. Oh. I love you, perfect segue. I love what Michael was preaching last week up here about about singleness, singlehood. I forget the word uh, about being single and the importance of being a whole, healthy person, yeah. and not and not relying on your spouse or if you have it or looking for that spouse that you want to fulfill you and to fill that. I just got this picture. We were talking about this the other day, and, and about marriage, and, and it's. There's so many exciting dreams we have about to help marriages, and there's things we want to do to come alongside marriages. But I think if we miss that piece of really ministering to our single people and helping them grow closer to Jesus, then 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 we're missing. We're dealing with the triage, right? You know, let's 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 make people whole early. I got this picture of you know that you've heard the phrase like, oh, there's there's so many fish in the sea, you know, like oh, the person dumped you. Oh, that's right. There's other fish in the sea. I don't know about you, but like when I was in my early 20s, like when I was, when I was at that point where I was starting to look around for another person, like I was going to places and the fish there <laughs> were not swimming towards Jesus, right? And that, that was, that was not the right pond to be swimming in. I, I just have this vision of paradox being just this, this healthy pool of clear water where the, where the fish, the single people here, uh, whether they're looking to be married, whether that's a desire that God has put on their heart or not, are swimming towards Jesus, just, just healthy and whole and all swimming to him. And then if, it, if that's the environment that we have for, for our singles here and, and two fish come alongside each other and God is telling them, go swim together. And America, I would, how exciting would it be if, the, if we had in a year's time from now, like 10, a dozen marriages that came out of, of single people meeting here, right? And not, not that this would yeah. become a place, but why not, right? How awesome would that be? And if and the singles are all swimming together in like a pool, in a school of fish, like, like I said, two come alongside and want to swim together, great. You want to stay in the school of fish and just swim together towards Jesus? As a Man, what a powerful force to have a group of single young people who aren't married, who are free to work as a school together and go. You ever see Nemo, that like school of fish, like pointing together? Man, that's so beautiful. That's, that's what I would love to see here. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, the, the thought that came to me was seeing marriages and families thriving, not yeah. surviving. Um, and I think maybe for each of us, maybe just take that, take that and think about it and, and ask yourself, what does that mean for you? You used the word thriving just a moment ago, and I think that was, that was confirmation. Um, this world is so busy, and it's just like our culture is so fast-paced, and it's so easy to neglect the most important relationships in our life. Um, so what does it look like for you to, to, to think about what does it look like to thrive and not just survive? Because for me personally, most days I feel like I'm surviving. Um, we went to a marriage conference about six months ago, my wife and I, and one of the encouragements was to go out and play, go have fun. Like, that's why my wife and I fell in love. We went and we did activities together. We went on trips together. 
And so we've been trying to recreate that these last few months, and it's been amazing. It's been encouraging for us. I feel like it's a turning point for us as we're starting to thrive a little bit. We're starting to kind of fall back in love with the things that drew us to each other uh, in the first place. So what does it look like for you in your most important relationships mm-hmm. with your family, with your spouse, with your kids to thrive, not just survive? Yeah. I mean, you've probably heard it said, right, that the that, that divorce rate in, uh, in the United States is somewhere around 50%. And here's, here's the heartbreak, and you have heard it said, that it's not much different here in the church. What if that wasn't true? What if we could change that? What if there were, here's that word again, older uh, couples, you know, people that could invest in these younger families, walk alongside of them, train them up. We have people here, like, yeah, let's get away. Let's, let's, let's get our hearts good and healthy. Let, let's start new groups for these families where they can support each other and walk alongside of each other and learn how all of this stuff works um, so that they can run the distance. So one of these groups that we're going to be, we're going to be reaching uh, as we continue to grow and see lives changed by Jesus is new young people, marriages, family, but we're also going to be seeing people very, very different from us. I mean, the, the world is changing. Cultures are, like, is changing. Your neighborhood, your street, your workplace is changing. And in a lot of ways, here's the thing. Your workplace, your neighborhood may look a lot more like heaven than church, which is sad. You may have heard it said that Sunday morning is one of the most segregated hours uh, in, in the entire week. You may have also heard it said that Detroit is one of the most segregated places in our country. What if we turned that on its head? What if, what if our church didn't just reflect the culture of our neighborhood or, or, or the races and ethnicities and the people of Warren, but what if we reflected the culture of heaven? Let me tell you what that looks like. Revelation 7 says this, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude, not token, but great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We're not gathered around some idea or even a social justice issue, great as though they may be. What brings us all together as one is Jesus. And that should be true in the church more so than anywhere else on the planet. Absolutely. I, we, we've done this thing of the last, um, earlier in the fall, some of us got together and for nine weeks we did this thing we we're calling a, uh, build, Be the Bridge. And just, just a way for us, from, we had people here from inside our church from different backgrounds and cultures and ethnicities get together. And we just, we just had a dialogue for like nine weeks. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, man, it was amazing. Just to be able to, I mean, there were things that, that like, had going into that meeting, uh, I don't want to steal your thunder, we were talking about this, yeah, but no I think we're saying the same thing. Like, Dave and I both felt like, going into that, I was like, racism, no, that's, tell me more, but that's, that's not my problem. I don't have an issue. I'm not a racist. Like, but I'll, I'll talk about it, it's good. Through some of that dialogue and conversation, when I got real and honest with myself, I was like, holy cow, there are biases I have. Like, there's legit biases I have, and I need to deal with that. I need to think through that. And I need to look, anyway, I'm getting into the, the, the nitty-gritty of it, but having that conversation, sitting down and having those opportunities to talk together was life-changing. I'm, I'm dreaming of, a, of, a, of that happening and continuing here, and we're having more of that, 
where we're having groups forming, people getting together and having those dives. I'm even, I'm even envisioning that, that we get to a point where we figure out how to do that so well. And again, not that, not that we have it perfect or it's just that there's a secret formula, but I think just getting people together and sharing hearts in a comfortable, safe environment will work. I think if we can do that well, mm -hmm. I'm even envisioning us becoming a model for other churches to do the same. Yeah. For businesses to do the same. Hey, how uh -huh. did tell us about how you guys did that? Tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, schools. Yeah. The government. Government. Our, our city of Warren. I want. I want Mayor Fouts to call me up and go. Hey, I heard about this bridge thing you guys did. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Right. And in that, not only will we see uh, our communities just get to come to understand each other and see reconciliation start to happen, but we're going to get to tell them about Jesus along the way. And that's just super exciting to me. I just can't wait to see that happen. Yeah. I love, I love that picture of heaven, right? There's this great multitude. And for me, I feel like, I feel like if we don't go after that, we're missing out. Um, just like I said, we're starting to go through this training camp, and I'm starting to see God in a new way, and the blinders are starting to come off. As we start to embark on this road of racial reconciliation and, and building bridges, I feel like you start to get a fuller picture of who God is and how he's created different people and the gifts he's, he's given us. Um, so I would just love for us to continue on this journey because I think we're going to miss out if we don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said before, what if, what if we were the kind of people that were the first to reach out to people different from us, no matter where we were? What if we were, if we were the first people to, to say, I'm sorry, or to listen, or to want to understand what if we were the first people to say, you know what, I want to go. I don't care where you call me, God. You can call me to the ends of the earth because we believe that every nation, every tribe matters to you, is made in your image, and is going to be with us in heaven someday. So God, let me be a part of that. Let me be a part of making that happen. Let me bring a, be a part of bringing heaven to earth. Like That would be amazing, and I want to do that. I want to be a person that does that, and I want to be a church full of people that do that together. What if? Here's the other thing. If we start doing that, the church is naturally going to start making an impact and living on mission in our community and to the ends of the earth. We'll make an impact, and we'll have a mission. Here's Matthew 28. Jesus, Jesus gives us some of his most important words, because they are his last recorded words uh, before he ascended into heaven. It says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, go therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Everybody say all nations. Amen. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I believe that when we start doing that, yes, this is about evangelism. This is about sharing who Jesus is to us and what he's done in our life. But it's also about living a mission wherever we are and wherever God has called us. And when we live in line with God's dreams, when we live in line with God's kingdom, God's kingdom is good. Heaven is good. It's a place where there is no brokenness, there is no suffering, there are no tears, there is no injustice, because God's will is always being done, and it's not here. It's not. That's why we pray things that Jesus taught us, like, thy will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven because these two places are different. And we want to be people that go everywhere bringing more of that reality, more of God's dreams there. And that's going to make the places that we are better. That's, that's going to mean that, as, as, as Mike said, the mayor, the city of, of Warren, our neighbors will be glad that we are here and glad that we are followers of Jesus. You have heard it said that Christians are judgmental, are hateful, are taking up space that could be used to bring in tax revenue. All of these things, many times, sadly, are reality. But what if? What if they weren't? What if cities couldn't wait to get more churches in their, in their, in their limits? What if schools couldn't wait to have prayer inside of them? What if schools were reaching out to churches going, can you guys come here? Can you guys come here? Because the kids that you're investing in and pouring into, like they're, they're the ones that are thriving. We love churches. What if that kind of impact was being made because of Jesus? Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. I love that. Right? I love that. Um, Man, I was, so, I was so encouraged being here last night, being part of the World Man Concert, and hearing about what God is doing all around the world. And it, it really struck me. I think it was Don, um, I forget his last name, but Don, this guy, Don, who's head of, like, the world outreach and stuff. And he was, he was saying, he was so passionate about it. He's saying, he's like, there are still tribes and villages, a group of people out there who have never heard the name of Jesus. But then I love what he said next. He says, we know who they are. We know where they are, and we know how to get to them, and we're going to go. Yeah. And I'm like, and, I, and he said it was, I think he said, they used the word travesty. He says it's a travesty that in this day and age that there are places in the world that no one has heard the name Jesus. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's right. In this modern day, all the communication, all the technology, all the resources that we have, and there's people that, they, they can choose to say no, but they've never even had the chance to say yes. Are you kidding me? Like that just struck me really hard. Like, like I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of going out and meeting them. But then the other thing, at the same time, and it's not an either or, but I'm also hit with the reality that, that for some of us, like that's the thought of flying halfway around the world and spending a month in a jungle is just, you're just like, wow, that's so far. Don't rule it out, but maybe right now it's so far. But even, even back, Dave, when you were setting this up and you're saying, uh, you, you were talking about dreams in, in reality, but then you said, like, well, life happens, you know, and the kids and this and that. And this is also just striking me right now, like, like you said, our mission field is, is maybe it's in our house, in our neighborhood. Like, we can do mission. We can, we can be the hands and feet of Jesus everywhere we go. Everywhere. And that, it just, you don't have to go to Puerto Rico, or, um, Costa Rica, or what. Like, like, we could do that everywhere we go, in our workplace. We can do that, even sometimes we can do it even better when life is a struggle. When your life is, and I, I, I talked to a gentleman the other day, and he was just sharing with me. I, 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 I had to have him stop. My heart hurt so bad. He was sharing with me wave after wave of the stuff that was happening to him. And I, I, tell, I, just, I told him, I go, stop. I just said, stop. I didn't even want to hear anymore. This guy's life was a wreck right now. But what I'm thinking about this for him right now is, is that is, is it, but the thing is he didn't have Jesus, and he had nothing. He had no more, and he had no anchor, nothing to go to, no peace to hold to, no hope to go back to. And I was, my heart was breaking for this guy. But I was thinking, man, for those of us who do, for those of us who know the Lord and we have the hope of Jesus in our heart, when stuff is going sideways, and it will, and it does, and when we can respond to that by turning back to him, that's mission. You are going to, imp that's impact. We are going to impact the people around us when they're going to see that and they're going to say, in the midst of that, 
Wait, you're giving glory to God? Really now? Why? Boom. You ask me why? I'll tell you why. That's our chance right there. So I'm, I'm excited for all the opportunities to go out into the world. I'm excited for the opportunities to, to stay in the world that we have right now and have impact for Jesus. I'm, I'm tell, like you said at the beginning, I feel like God is moving, and it's going to be powerful, and it's awesome. Yeah. All right, I'm a rule follower. And yeah, you guys clap. <laughs> we're, we're over on time. Uh, so I'm going to be very brief, but I, I think pointing to this for a moment, impact for us here at Paradox, when we talk about impact, we're talking about impacting the communities around us, and yeah. missions means going. Those are basically the two, two of the same things. It's just geographically, where are we at? Yeah. We want to impact our community here, but we want to impact communities other places too. We want to get outside our comfort zone. We want to allow God to, to get us outside of, of what's safe so he can extend us and grow us through that. What if we are a church who goes? What if we are a church who doesn't just consume but produces for the kingdom of God? Yeah. Amen. Thanks, guys. Amen. Good. So, I do want to say, like, we're, we're done for, for the moment, but we're not done. Like, God is he's birthing so many dreams inside of our heart. And especially if you're going like, yeah, but what does it look like? How? What are, what are we going to actually do? We got some ideas, but I want to be honest with you. Others, you don't want us to answer. I don't want to answer that because God is placing dreams in your hearts, and we want to hear them. We want to dream together. We want to invite you into the dream. Dream with us. What do you see? What, what is God speaking to you about what the church could do, what paradox could be? Share those things with us. Send an email. Post on, on, on your profile, whatever it is. You know, like Use a hashtag, paradox dreams or something. Like Let's dream again together. As the band is out here, I wanted to just share this poem with you. It's, it's a pretty old poem, but I felt like it captivated so much of what we're talking about. Um, and it's by a guy named Pete Gregg from a movement called 24-7 Prayer. It starts this way. So this guy comes up to me and says, what's the vision? What's the big idea? And I open my mouth and words come out like this. The vision? The vision is Jesus. Obsessively, dangerously, undeniably. Jesus. The vision is an army of young people. You see bones, I see an army, and they are free from materialism. They laugh at nine to five little prisons. They could eat caviar on Monday and crusts on Tuesday. They wouldn't even notice. They know the meaning of the matrix, the way the West was won. They're mobile like the wind. They belong to the nations. They need no passport. People write their addresses in pencil and wonder at their strange existence. They're free, yet they're slaves of the hurting and the dirty and the dying. What is the vision? The vision is holiness that hurts the eyes. It makes children laugh and adults angry. It gave up the game of minimum integrity long ago to reach for the stars. It scorns the good and strains for the best. It's dangerously pure. Light flickers from every secret motive, every private conversation. It loves people away from their suicide leaps, their Satan games. This is an army that will lay down its life for the cause. A million times a day, its soldiers choose to lose that they might one day win the great well done of faithful sons and daughters. Such heroes are as radical on Monday morning as on Sunday, as Sunday night. They don't need fame from names. Instead, they grin quietly upwards 
and hear the crowds chanting again and again, come on. And this is the sound of the underground, the whisper of history in the making, foundations shaking, revolutionaries dreaming once again. Mystery is scheming in whispers. Conspiracy is breathing. This is the sound of the underground, and the army is disciplined. Young people who beat their bodies into submission. Every soldier would take a bullet for his comrades at arms. The tattoo on their back boasts, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Sacrifice fuels fire of victory in their upward eyes. Winners, murders, who can stop them? Can hormones hold them back? Can failure succeed? Can fear scare them or death kill them? And the de generation prays like a dying man with groans beyond talking, with warrior cries, sulfuric tears, and with great barrel loads of laughter, waiting, watching, 24-7, 365. Whatever it takes, they will give. Breaking the rules, shaking mediocrity from its cozy little hide laying down their rights and their precious little wrongs, laughing at labels, fasting essentials. The advertisers cannot mold them. Hollywood cannot hold them. Peer pressure is powerless to shake their resolve at late night parties before the cockerel cries. They're incredibly cool, dangerously attractive inside. On the outside, they hardly care. They wear clothes like costumes to communicate and celebrate, but never to hide. Would they surrender their image or their popularity? They would lay down their very lives, swap seats with the man on death row, guilty as hell, a throne for an electric chair. With blood and sweat and many tears, with sleepless nights and fruitless days, they pray as if it all depends on God and live as if it all depends on them. Their DNA chooses Jesus. He breathes out, they breathe in. Their subconscious sings. They had a blood transfusion with Jesus. Their words make demons scream in shopping centers. Do you hear them coming? Herald the weirdos. Summon the losers and the freaks. Here come the frightened and forgotten with fire in their eyes. They walk tall and trees applaud. Skyscrapers bow. Mountains are dwarfed by these children of another dimension. Their prayers summon the hounds of heaven and invoke the ancient dream of Eden. And this vision will be. It will come to pass. It will come easily. It will come soon. How do I know? Because this is the longing of creation itself, the groaning of the spirit, the very dream of God. My tomorrow is his today. My distant hope is his 3D. And my feeble, whispered, faithless prayer invokes a thundering, resounding, bone-shaking, great amen from countless angels, from heroes of the faith, from Christ himself. And he is the original dreamer, the ultimate winner, guaranteed. Paradox, let's dream again. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.